2: Welcome to another episode of Bro History. It's Henry Zamota, Danny of Delgibar, and we are recording on a Tuesday, right? Yep. Club's going up on a Tuesday. Going up on a Tuesday. Just to give you an idea of what our recording schedule is like, it's either on Tuesday or Wednesday. Usually, right? Tuesday yeah.
0: or Wednesday? It's hopefully Tuesday so that we don't have to scramble to like <laughs> edit the podcast to get it out Thursday morning.
2: Yeah. So if we don't record it on Tuesday, that means that we're doing it on Wednesday night and we're basically just like, fuck it. Let's just throw what we, the raw audio <laughs> file up on, on iTunes. No, no, no. We do a little bit of editing and a we little do bit a of little, compression we do,
0: and shit like that. We do, so a, little
2: cool. bit of, we do a little bit of a little uh, something, PLC something. to the show after it, but eh. Eh. You know what? So here's a side note before we get into the main topic. Did you listen to the New York Times uh, Caliphate podcast? no i didn't actually sounds very interesting sounds interesting so i downloaded the entire thing on a on a road trip and i was i was gonna go in there with an open mind and say all right like let's just see what they have to say i couldn't get past the first episode not because (laughs) they like said anything that triggered me or anything like that (laughs) or like i disagreed (laughs) with like the narrative it was because i can't I don't like that
0: style of, of podcast where it's overly edited. Do you know really? what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I, I actually do because uh, I listen to The Daily every day, and that's a super edited podcast. But I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm an audio engineer, so like I, I, I find that shit cool when, you, when you're able to like on a really well-produced show. Not to say I don't like our style either. This is fun too. Um, but it, both have their merits. So you couldn't listen to it because it was just overly produced? I couldn't listen to it because there was just too much. I don't like the daily
2: either because it's, it's too much, just shit, in the in, in like between interviews. Like someone will be interviewing a guy, and then the interviewer will be repeating everything she says. Like. He worked at a he, he worked at a steel mill his entire life. And he'd be like, I worked in a steel mill my entire life. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, all right, we heard him say it. Why can't you just have an interview? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's lived in it's like i lived in Michigan my entire life. All of my five brothers worked in the same manufacturing plant I had, that I worked in. It's like all of his brothers worked, and they're like, come on, <laughs> come on. But yeah, I just can't get it. I can't. It's just not my cup of tea. Obviously, those are like the biggest podcasts in the world. So, who am I to judge it? <laughs>
0: right? It's we're doing just pretty some well. third-rate <laughs> show. So,
2: <laughs> we're literally recording this thing out of a cave in <laughs> Afghanistan. So, it's not like. You know, we can't even talk shit, but I will talk shit about the New York Times Caliphate podcast because I wasn't able to get through it. What I wanted to do is I wanted to listen to it and I wanted to kind of poke it and be like, oh, no, that was dumb. Like kind of Mm -hmm. like uh, tear through the New York Times narrative like we all like we all love doing. And you couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Couldn't get past the the uh, the the style
0: Maybe maybe I'll do it because I, I I can totally tolerate that style. I quite like it actually, and uh, you know just hanging out with you for all of these you know hours <laughs> of podcasts that we've done. I think uh, I'll be able to represent uh, the show, and I'll, I'll be able to maybe. Tell they're you.
2: privateers. They're nothing but privateers. <laughs> you're gonna jump onto that. You're gonna go yeah. go on my. You're gonna think like me like they're nothing but fucking mercenary privateers (laughs) Uh, yeah um yeah i would recommend it so i guess today we're talking like always we always have a lot of stuff that's planned for these shows and half half the stuff that we plan never ends up getting into the episode uh mainly because we cover both history and, and current events at the same time and we try to do both um to the best of our ability and just so we have more to talk about and we can relate history back into current affairs. Right. And um, something really interesting happened the other day, and it's definitely a follow-up to an episode we did the other day or about two weeks ago, when either Iran allegedly shot a cruise missile into a Saudi oil field or the Houthis hit that Saudi oil field with a drone. Right. And it was really interesting because... Honestly, at, at, when we were talking, I don't know if we jumped to a narrative. I know I, I'm not, I, I feel it's inconclusive, like what happened Agreed. there at this point. Like, I can't make a, a like, a. I can't tell you what my honest opinion is if it was Iran, if it were the Houthis. However, after what happened on, this was what, Tuesday? It was, this happened on Saturday night, right? Yep.
3: Mm-hmm. Very Saturday, recently,
2: yeah. Or, was it saturday or sunday this happened
0: i don't know it depends because like they're ahead of our time so yeah. i'm not Losing sure track of time
2: yeah um it it makes me think that the houthis are capable of quite a lot
3: because
2: mm-hmm. uh, those guys are resourceful as hell so what happened henry what is so, what what went down so the houthis they captured so you could not believe these numbers they they may not be accurate it, um the houthis are saying that they captured about 2000 Saudi troops and killed another five hundred. Mm-hmm. That's three brigades, by the way.
0: It's massive.
2: So three, and what's really interesting is this wasn't in Yemen. They they crossed over the border of Saudi Arabia. That's right. And it was a, a pincer move where they were kind of closed in from both sides, and it, it was it was a pretty sh- kind of it was pretty shocking. I wouldn't I didn't imagine that the Houthis would do that. Um, But I guess they are quite capable of doing it as they as they have showed. So what's your take on
0: this? You're you're more of the military guy than I am. Uh, First of all, like the thing that I want to point out is like this should be your evidence uh, whenever you see on mainstream media or, you know, some other podcast or, you know, just one of your friends talking about how the Houthis are just this ragtag bunch of like weirdos that you know they couldn't possibly do anything precise and they're just like terrorists or something like that they very well may be terrorists or terrorist affiliations but one thing that you cannot deny especially after seeing this is that they are very capable like very fucking capable and the reason for this is because they they released this video um and i saw it on youtube actually henry you sent that to me and it's like maybe i don't know 12 or 15 minutes long of just straight up video documentation of all the people they captured of all of the weapons they captured of all the tanks and like, uh, uh, armored vehicles that they captured and just generally like walking all of these defeated captured soldiers down a line. And there's like a quarter miles long line of people walking across the fucking desert, right? To to God knows where. And it's, abundantly clear that those are definitely the houthis and that the people that they've captured are either saudis or people fighting for saudi arabia in any case you can see on the sides of the trucks and shit that they captured the saudi emblems you can see the types of weapons that they captured of which there were thousands of weapons it is it 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 is honestly one of the craziest battles and i'm so upset that they don't have more video of what actually went down because I think it would be absolutely insane to see what went down
2: the
0: yeah, the thing I immediately thought of was
2: uh was Hannibal crossing the Alps to, to attack yeah. Italy but, hell yeah they but, they monsters man you know something that I immediately noticed though is that a lot of the soldiers were african
0: uh see I don't know about that and they, and they looked be,
2: a lot of a lot I'd of guys looked african no <laughs> I'm not saying that. that yeah no, I'm um, not I'm just an observation there is a lot of black guys. Um the Saudis use a lot of African soldiers from Sudan and Chad and and different parts of Africa because
0: they're 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 cheap. I mean it that that part to me was a little inconclusive. What also was inconclusive uh, for me was the location. Right, so the Houthis do claim that they crossed into the border and I think the thing that they're pointing out now uh, and a lot of the things that I've been reading is That uh, the Houthis have been fighting this war of attrition for many years, and it seems like it's swinging towards, you know, in their direction. They're picking up some wins. If we're counting this as their win, and we're counting the oil field as their win, and we're counting the several other instances of them bombing oil tankers in the in the uh, in the straits and things like that, then, uh, you know, it's obviously moving in the right direction. And what I think they're trying to do is reestablish. Uh, what the Yemeni border, or at least what the Houthi-controlled Yemeni border is. Uh, And I think that they're starting to get a lot more public support from the Yemenis in general. Um, because you know this coalition-based, uh, uh, you know Saudi and Emiratis uh, that have been fighting against them uh, haven't been able to remove the Houthis, haven't been able to install their government for many, many years. Have you know uh, uh, basically caused the worst famine, you know in the in the region. Have caused you know worst cholera epidemic. You know the the embargo, the blockade there uh, is just making it worse. And I think they're starting to see the Houthis as like, hey, they're actually picking up some wins here, right? And they're actually doing something. So what we're what we're noticing is a lot more support, you know, within Yemen for them. Uh, and you know, one thing that I read was that it's possible that they're trying to reclaim certain provinces that are right there on the border that might have been in dispute in terms of territory. Uh, and they're pushing farther and farther into Saudi uh, territory because they want to, you know, kind of set up like a buffer zone, almost like a DMZ, if you will, uh, uh, for the future. I think it's super interesting um, how it's panning out, and I think it's even more interesting after the conversation that we had uh, over the weekend with one of our listeners, um, you know, who was actually in Yemen, um, uh, uh, early, early on, I think it was what, like something like 2011, we read one of his questions, um, you know, on the on the previous episode in our Q&A, and we actually got a chance to talk to this guy. And the way that he described the, you know, uh, the situation on the ground was that like, there were a number of tribes and groups, I think there was like 12 or something like that, uh, that were vying for power at the time. And the 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 Houthis were just one of the you know one of the few of them you know not relatively known you know and that they were super disorganized at the time and you know he was talking about uh, a leaf called cot it's like QAT and evidently this is like this is like their drug of choice out there and they would sit down and do nothing for a whole long time and chew their cot and like chill and as soon as they ran out of this cot this like drug that they were doing all day, they were like, All right, well, I guess uh let's go do some fighting and they'd, you know, load up their magazines and, and head out to battle and in random dispersion. And for them to be able to go from that description to the current description where they're capturing two thousand two thousand Saudi armed uh let's call them Saudi armed militants, right? Whether remember,
2: remember the miscommunication we had the other day? W- which one? When I texted you what happened, I said, I, I, I'm i a dumb texter. I said, U.S. armed forces were captured in Yemen, but <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah, mean yeah, it like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I, meant it, I meant that forces that were armed with U.S. weapons were captured by the Houthis. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and you were like, what the hell? What's going on? I was like, I didn't see any U.S. forces there. Like, what are you talking about? Dumbass. <laughs> no, no, no. So uh, that's really important, too. Uh, I'm glad you pointed that out because the weapons, you know, Saudi the Houthis didn't just capture some random band of you know rebels you know using like old ass AK-47s and shit no they were using modern American technology you know like you can see the stark difference between what tech that they had and what tech that they acquired because they had like a line of old Toyota Land Cruisers and Toyota Hiluxes uh, and they were just stockpiling the backs of their trucks full of all these brand new weapons and they were driving you know, uh, they're the captured uh, uh, armored vehicles. I, I don't actually know the exact model numbers of them. I'll look into it later. Um, but uh, you know, they're clearly American-made weapons that were purchased by Saudi Arabia uh, that are now firmly in the hands of the Houthis uh, because they ran train on these on this these three brigades. What what an
2: interesting take that I'm hearing is that it, that there is support from the inside. 'Cause twenty percent of the of uh, of Saudi Arabia is Shiite. And yeah, Shiites in Saudi Arabia they're not only a minority, but they're oppressed. They're treated yeah. like shit. Yeah, <laughs> they're like second, they're, they're they're second class citizens.
0: And I think you'll probably start hearing this more in the mainstream media uh, as this comes to light, because you know how they love to make this a sectarian, like, you know, religious thing, you know, so they'll definitely be harping on that as soon as they they get off the idea that the Houthis are just like incapable. And it was totally, you know, Saudi Arabia, they'll move on to being like, hey, this is a sectarian war. This is a, you know, religious, you know, Sunni versus Shia thing. So I definitely think you'll hear that more as this progresses. Um, but, uh, definitely, you know, an interesting, uh, uh, angle because like that could be, you know, how or why the, uh, the Houthis were able to actually bomb that oil field, right. With those drones, it's, it's potentially why and how, you know, the answer to the issue of the angle of attack or the issue of range or, you know, the, the myriad number of issues that people take with that strike and why it couldn't have been the Houthis and it had to have been Iran, um, that could be a, you know, a factor that we're not that we're not paying enough attention to that could have contributed.
2: Yeah, and you're right. I bet – I mean that angle is already being played up. I mean that, that angle is played up with every single Middle Eastern war that is just as strictly a Sunni and a Shiite thing. And there's some truth to that. You have to admit it. Like there, there definitely is sure. sectarian divide. And For sure. People are very tribal. Mm-hmm. So there is, there is truth to that. However, where it, it kind of leaves reality is when they blame, like, every single conflict between Arabs ever, between Sunnis and Shiites. They'll be like, this has been a, a uh, thousand-year war between these two tribes, these two religious sects. They'll never be able to get along. They're going to fight forever that's not right. really the case um like an example in iraq which is way different like baghdad mm-hmm. right was was way wealthier than yemen at any time but this kind of is thrown over the entire middle east anyway and the, iraq is having its own big sectarian divides but in baghdad um i think it was about half the marriages were um they, they were um Mixed faith marriages between Sunnis and Shiites. I didn't so, know that. That's interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting. Is it's interesting when you see stats like that. Um, and in the case of Yemen, so what what's really important to point out is that the the Houthis are are not the same branch of Shiite as as the Iranians, the Twelvers. Um, the Houthis are they're a, a political separatist movement that wants to free itself from the government that they feel is. Is uh, a tyranny that they fear feel is a dictatorship that is basically propped up by the by the West. And this myth about it being a religious movement because they're Shia is, is just kind of a false and and fallacy when you when you really think about it and measure it up against other conflicts in the Middle
0: East. Right, and if um, it has anything to do with it, it's like the tenth thing on the list of you know ten things you know ten reasons yeah. why you know.
2: Yeah, and like the Zaydi, the Zaydi Shiite, they're very different from the um, they're different from the, the Twelver Shiite, like in Iran. And I'm no expert on like
3: Islamic Islam.
2: doctrine right. or, mm-hmm. or or Islam in general or or the different sects of Islam at all, but I know a little bit about it. And the Shiite, the, the Zaydi Shiite, um, I'll, I'll throw I'll, I'll roll this back. So the Zaydi Shiite, they take their name from Zayda bin Ali, who led a revolt against the Umayyad Caliphate in the seventh century, and he died in it. And they hold they they kind of look at him as uh, they they see him as the fourth Imam. Like the difference between the Zaydis is that the Zaydis have five Imams and the Shiite the the uh, twelve or Shiites they have twelve Imams to get it mm-hmm. 12 Twelver right. Imams 12 right. So the Zaydis don't recognize the Imams that. They feel to not stand up to stand up against corruptness, so they kind of have like this anarchist type philosophy behind them that that derives that that um that's that's not the same. It's like the you know the, Khomeini um, you know Khomeiniism, they 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 embrace like uh, authority. Like they, the the Twelvers believe in like a subjection to authority. Uh, the Zaydis are much more like the libertarians of the of the <laughs> is the Muslim world or or something like that. I don't know if that's the best way to phrase it or not, but it's kind of an interesting way to look at it. Like that they're, they're that they are very different, and I think that that their theology definitely plays a plays a part in in their political activism and their and how they want to resist. Uh, essentially, things like global capitalism, and I don't want to sound too much like a fringe nut, but they they want to resisting like globalism or neoliberalism. I should say that.
3: No, oh, Alex Jones
0: should be all over that shit. Neo
2: neoliberal <laughs> neoliberalism for the for the right winger and uh, global capitalism for the for the left winger. Mm-hmm. I'll appease you both. Say what it is. <laughs> say what you want. <laughs> <laughs> and you with- know, you know, it's like really funny because both political tribes in the United States they both have they they both are talking about the same thing when they talk about like when they, when they talk about global capitalism and neoliberalism like they're yeah. talking about the exact same thing yeah they um, just have different names for they're, it they have yeah. different names for it but they both hate it and they know it's bad but they 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 res, let's just put it this way they they have been they resist the the west and, and I think that stems from their their theology um, so it's 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 interesting there it's an interesting group to look at it's uh the the Yemenis. Um, yeah, we we had a great conversation. We learned a lot more about the the Yemenis and the groups like Houthi. They're they're a very they're a very uh, interesting bunch, I guess I'll
0: say to, to say the least. Yeah, definitely. And and with that explanation, Henry, I think you put yourself in like the one percent of people that understand what Zaydi Shiism is versus Twelver Shiism. So I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit there.
2: Well I mean there, there is a lot more to it It's an interesting topic when you look at when, when you look at like Islam as a whole I mean I went to Catholic school And, and one of the cool things about going to Catholic school And you, you don't realize this when you're going to school um, You take theology classes Right And you start with the monotheistic religions you do start with judaism you go to christianity and then you actually learn about islam as well you don't learn about that much in islam but you do learn about just the different religions in the world and you know obviously it's a pro when you go to catholic school it's a bit of a, a pro christ bent to yeah. say the least however um i had in my school um i went to the holy cross high school and all boys uh catholic school in New- in flushing queens Anyone who is from Queens, um, holla. <laughs> holla! I just, cring- I just cringed a bit. <laughs> my, th- my teachers were actually um, pretty liberal. Like they were, they when I, w- I was in high school when the Passion of the Christ came out. Let's no, just put man. it that way. And mm-hmm. they were denouncing it. They were like, "The Passion of the Christ is, is terrible. It's a horrible idea to make a movie like that. It's not even true." That's what they were saying. Those that's what the they were Christian brothers who were saying that,
0: and I was like, "What?" They were saying it wasn't true that no, Jesus they Christ were, died for sins. What is wrong they, with them? <laughs> they
2: were saying that the they were saying like the Passion plays were just used to to for, for anti-Semitic purposes, mm. um, which is which there's a lot of truth to that. However. I digress. Um, it is super interesting to look at the difference between the Sunnis and the Shiites um, in the, on a the theological base. You know, the, there's there's a lot of different there's there's a lot of differences, but they're very minor when you look at it. Like when you're not Muslim, mm-hmm. like the, they, they'd be minor to us. It'd be like the same way that someone who's not a Christian will look at the differences between a Catholic and a Protestant. For instance, yeah, yeah, like, I can see that. Yeah, like if you look at if you look at a Christian, if you're not a Christian and you and you look at you know the Christian population, and one person's like I'm Catholic, and the other person says I'm not Catholic, I'm I'm the Methodist. You're like, okay, what's the difference? You both believe in Jesus Christ, right? Like, yeah. So but... isn't that the, isn't that the religion? <laughs> like, isn't isn't that the religion? Yeah. Um, the, the difference between the two is that you know they, it is power really it's mm. it's um do you believe in a direct relationship with god or do you believe in a bishop and a priest and, and a pope and a hierarchy to god you know uh, protestants versus catholics and, right. and it's, it's the same type of thing for for sunnis and shiites it, it's it's a disagreement over the lineage of muhammad um um re- that's that's really what it is it's just who is the, you know who is the next imam after after muhammad that's where mm-hmm. the big uh Separation starts, but like you know, the way they worship isn't really different. I think they have some different interpretations of, of the hadith, but that's that's pretty much the main theological difference in, in their perceptions. But these these conflicts they start out as 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 sectarian, but when you go forward, when you when you actually look at why there's conflict, it's not because of their beliefs. It's because of who has power. It's because right. of the religious nepotism, right. and it's the same thing for that that happened in Europe. Like right. It, so you the 30 year war may have may have happened yeah, that's because big, of religious differences
0: you but know, there they, were much more reasons beyond that too you know yeah, like it was the they, power structure of the Roman Catholic church that was absolutely dominating most of Europe and bleeding them dry of all of their funds you know that was a big reason you know you start cutting into people's pockets You know, and yeah, sure, you can say like, hey, you know, I believe in a direct relationship with God versus I believe in a power structure and like a pope and things like that. Um, That that certainly is the starting point, but there are so many other widespread implications uh, that led to you know this this fracture there. Uh, And there's a lot of politics in it, and there's a lot of like you said, uh, 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 religious nepotism. it goes much, much deeper than that.
2: It goes much deeper than that. And, and Islam right now is kind of like how Christianity was like 400 years ago. It's because, all right, so you have different sects of religion who are um, very tribe oriented. So when one group gets control of the government, that's, that's what really ends up being the problem. So it let's just say if the majority of a majority Sunni country or a minority Sunni country um, has a Sunni leader and they only dish out favors and to government jobs to other Sunnis, then the Shiites are going to be pissed. And what that ultimately does, it forces the other group to band together to resist the, the resist from being oppressed from the other group. So right. it's all it's, it's 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 who gets the money. It's it's they're always it, it's always um. It's never, like, because of the theological difference that these, these these groups fight. It's because
0: of money and power and and identity politics at the mm-hmm. end of the day. And so to kind of wrap all this up, you know, one thing you should take away from today's show is that, you know, one, it's a lot more complicated, that this war in Yemen, uh, than just Sunni and Shiism, and the Houthis are not to be, you know, slept on. They are very capable, and they have documented evidence of of them making giant gains uh in this uh conflict and um yeah, I think those are the two two big things to to take away. Two two big takeaways.
2: Um so what we were planning on speaking about, I think we said we were going to talk about it and mm-hmm. it kind of definitely there's a good segue into this. Right. is um
0: while we're on Saudi Arabia. Good, good old
2: <laughs> while we're in Saudi while we're on Saudi Arabia. So um, Tomorrow is the anniversary of Jamal Khashoggi's death, right? Mm-hmm. Is it? So, it's this week. Forget the exact day.
0: Actually, I think it might be the 4th. So, that might, might be 3rd or 4th. Yeah. I forget
2: the exact date, but <laughs> it's this week for sure. Now, this is really interesting because Muhammad bin Salman is looking really bad right now. Yeah. Bin Salman is looking really, really, really bad this guy has effectively, it looks like they've lost this war and the Saudi public I cannot see them being this happy. I don't know how this news is going to be uh, disseminated into Saudi Arabia um, obviously the elites know what's going on Right. I don't know if the average Saudi is getting the full story they probably are, I mean they're all on Twitter they know what's going on Um. MBS is looking pretty bad right now. He's at an all—he hasn't—right now, at this period of time, he is at an all-time low. He's pulling really low. <laughs> <laughs> He's at at, a, at an all-time low as his time as uh, as the crown prince. Because this war—he was um, the defense minister when this war started back in 2015 when he was yet to be crowned uh, crowned crown prince— you have to be named the next king of saudi arabia he was the one who really kind of engaged in this war and i think a lot of it had to do with with um, what one of the main princes uh one of their big princes uh i think it was prince sultan or i might be getting the name wrong but their yemen prince the guy who kind of like knew who, who dealt with yemen foreign policy meaning the guy who paid off the right people within yemen to keep them from 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 revolting died so I think everything just kind of kind of uh went crazy from there and, and uh when when uh Mohammed bin Salman bin Salman's consolidated power, he really left that committee system that that was uh I guess effective and keeping the Saudi Arabian monarchy alive for so many years when so many people were, were writing its obituary like how many times have so, like people have written out Saudi Arabia? Like, oh, Saudi Arabia is done. Like every single decade, there there's been a, a crisis in Saudi Arabia, um, going back to to uh, the 50s and 60s with the rise of Nasser. Um, you know, going going all the way to 9/11 when when people were like, "What the fuck, uh, Saudi?" Uh, this, the, the people who hijacked the plane were Saudi Arabian, or at least the vast majority of them. So there's been many times that there's been the obituary that uh, that was written for Saudi Arabia, but they've always kind of pulled through. And I think the Saudi kings and the Saudi mon- you know the Saudi kings, the, uh, the Saudis, uh, the Saudi council uh, kind of are aware of Saudi Arabia's weaknesses like they knew that Saddam Hussein would destroy them. They, they knew that um you know they, they were aware that a uh, form of political islam could emerge just like in iran um you know they were aware that um you know that nasser could would clean their clock in a fight even though nasser ended up getting his clock clean in yemen um i, I think they were very aware of their vulnerability Within the Middle East and, and MBS, I don't think he grew up in those times. He he, he didn't experience those times when when uh, you know that type of uh, carefulness was was within the, that government. And and I think he just went amok and crazy. And one of the big decisions that 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 really shows that is his decision. I'm going to go off and say decision because I, I I'm pretty convinced that Jamal uh, that. MBS probably hired the guys to kill Jamal Khashoggi.
0: Yeah, probably.
2: Uh,
3: this episode is brought to you
1: by Bumble. It feels really good to be productive, but a lot of the time it's easier said than done, especially when you need to make time to learn about productivity so you can actually, you know, be productive. But you can start your morning off right and be ready to get stuff done in just a few minutes with the Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day podcast. You'll hear advice on everything from how to build confidence to how to get the best night's sleep. New episodes drop every weekday, and each one is five minutes or less. So you only have to listen a little to get a lot more out of your weekdays. Listen and subscribe to Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. That's Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts.
2: See, he's admitting responsibility for it, though. Did you hear that?
0: Yeah, I did. Super interesting. After after a full year of this shit now... A full, a full year of it on the anniversary
2: I admit responsibility just because I am going to be king and I have to be, take responsibility because this is my world like that's basically his logic like
0: mm-hmm. you know and it's it happened like a, under my house so it's yeah, fine yeah it's like it's like a, a soft admission it's like yeah you know I'm in a, in a position of power so I'm gonna take the fall for this one but not explicitly saying like yeah I totally did that you know like I called I called the, the hit squad on them
2: you know, you know. At the very, at the very least, though, he is taking moral moral responsibility of it. Even even though if he's not not taking criminal responsibility for the murder uh, of I mean, Khashoggi, I guess I mean,
0: that's a step in the right direction.
2: I, but but look at it, Saudi Arabia. I'm going to say this as as nice as possible. It's a nasty, it's a nasty monarchy that routinely murders people in Yemen with drone strikes. Mm-hmm. They've been caught red-handed aiding in abetting al-qaeda in syria and around the rest of the world they've been a they they are involved in incredibly horrible things especially the intentional starvation from their blockade within yemen um so there's a lot of blood on their hands um so it's it's interesting that you know one journalist kind of puts them on the map you know uh, of being bad guys right like you know it's it's horrifying that what they did to him it's the it's the, it's
0: the american you know uh, factor you know like he was a he wasn't a citizen but he was a resident of the united states and his kids are citizens you know so like and he works for an american company you know so that that's really what did it i think what's really interesting about the whole jamal Khashoggi
2: affair is that the Saudis kept on changing their stories every single day. So, <laughs> yeah, it was it was so ridiculous because, I mean, everyone's probably well aware that uh, a hit squad of what, 15 guys went, mm-hmm. in to, went in to get him. Yep, it was 15 guys. It wasn't like one assassin or they and got in like, the Sinai. If but... you've
0: ever seen a picture of Jamal Khashoggi when he was alive, like he is not a threatening looking guy. Like you don't need 15 dudes to take this guy out like at all
2: well well here's what happened so they they kept on changing their story um they first said that no, we didn't do it we, we, we didn't we, we didn't do it like there's no evidence of him leaving the consulate so and so uh, you had to have done it like he went in he never walked out and they're like, no, we we don't know what happened. And then there came out that there was audio tapes of him
3: mm-hmm.
0: from his like Apple Watch, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, there was an audio tape of him. And then they went with like, oh, oh, okay, it was a botched interrogation. Uh, we just wanted to capture him and interrogate him, but we would never kill him. Mm-hmm. But then they ended up bringing a bone saw. So like what?
0: The, <laughs> like, a bone why, saw did he, why did you?
2: Why did you? Why did you take his pants off? <laughs> <laughs> why? Yeah. Why did Sharon and didn't, and
3: didn't they take his take clothes his pants off?
0: Didn't they take his clothes and try to get like a fake impersonator to walk out so they can get evidence of him leaving or some shit? I, if they did do that,
2: I missed that. But it sounds like something. It's it's so botched. It sounds so. It sounds so silly. But yeah, they like they're playing. They're trying to add some plausible deniability. But like they brought a bone saw. Like what the hell? Did, come on, guys. Seriously, and it's it's um. You know what? I actually kind of w- believed it at first when that story first came out. When they when they first um, when they were first saying they were trying to capture him, I, I thought they were. I thought that like, oh, maybe he knows. Maybe the Washington Post journalist knows something. They're trying to figure out what he knows. Uh oh, they're they're, at, they're after me, Menji. They're after me.
0: You know too much, Henry.
2: I know too much.
0: Mohammed bin Salman's after you now.
2: MBS. Now they're they're. They're they're captured. They can't get me.
3: <laughs>
2: so so they sent fifteen guys. Eleven of them have been arrested. Um, I think five of them face a death penalty right now. That's crazy. Um, in Saudi Arabia, you can get the death penalty for sneezing. You know, like <laughs> yeah. So you know, I hope that dismembering a body in Saudi Arabia with a bar that they set for capital punishment would would be included in that. No matter how far. <laughs> up they are how where, low
0: that bar is uh, yeah. how low
2: that bar is no those guys were trained and we did it we, we mentioned this in yeah, another podcast that was an
0: interesting one. Ooh. Ooh, that was a good one <laughs> they really don't want you to tell us yeah so we mentioned this This is the... this is
2: how the globalists creep you down
0: <laughs> no um we we mentioned this in, in in a previous podcast and and yeah they they were um they actually came here to the united states to be trained uh what what state was that in I think it was in Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas was, uh, or some shit, Tennessee tier maybe. One, I, yeah,
2: tier it was one like, group, right? Tier one group. Yeah, it was, it had that super cool uh, promo video. Yeah, it was like all uh,
0: heavy metal and shit, and like I'm gonna stuff play, blowing up. You know, I'm gonna play
2: that because it's it was so. Uh, I'm gonna throw this in the in the podcast because it was so <laughs> it was so good. Yeah, it was so funny. I would recommend watching it because it does
0: make you want to fucking punch somebody in the face. (laughs) Yeah, but they came here for for their special, you know, bone saw training or whatever. And uh, yeah, then we cut them loose and and they went off and did their thing.
2: Well, terrible, terrible advertising for tier one group because they did a terrible
0: job. Wait, if I remember correctly, did they change their name? Maybe.
2: I think they might have been called something like, like if I'm remembering the story right, they were called like Dynamic counter group or something like that. Yeah. If if you go to their website, You're you'll have to you'll,
0: listen s- to that, that podcast again. I mean, you can just <laughs> type can in. You, you don't
2: have to go. I mean, listen to it. It's a good podcast. Yeah. However, you can just type in tier one group and you'll probably find like all their information. So you don't have to go through the archives and <laughs> yeah. guess which one because
0: I don't even remember what episode we talked about. I'm pretty about sure it's on, it's, on, it's on YouTube um, and we review their website together. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I remember cool. that.
2: Yeah, I forgot we did that. Yeah, it was hilarious. And yeah. We ended it with a jo- we ended it with a with a with like a joke where we were going through positive news stories and and, and yeah. trying to find the negative things about them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we went to we yeah, went to like a, a posi- like a we were like we're talking about so many negative like things in the news. world. Net or some we shit to, like that. Yeah, yeah goodnews.net, <laughs> dot and we were scrolling down the stories, and it'll be like a kid learns hears for the first time ever, and we were gonna be like, yeah, but after going through. F- Years of like no audio and like being isolated, mm-hmm. so we were just yeah. like making spinning really good stories in very dark ways. I don't yeah. know. It was interesting. It was fun. I, it was fun. Um, all right, back to the Khashoggi. Khashoggi. So, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, you know, Saudi Arabia, they've been going. It, the the funny thing about MBS is that when he was first named crown prince he was people were looking at him like he was a reformer mm-hmm. just because he was taking that society and making them do just like somewhat normal things like allowing women to drive like oh he's a reformer <laughs> like finally <laughs> it's like yeah <gasps> women can drive the reason why women were adri- allowed to drive in saudi arabia i don't think it's necessarily to do with mbs it's because people were complaining about driving their wives to Everywhere. When so here, here's what happen. Here's what I think would happen. So when oil prices went down a couple of years ago, like whenever oil, so you get, the thing that's really important to understand about Saudi Arabia is that their standard of living is directly affected by the price of oil. Right. So if the price of oil is high, then their stand like the standard of living go, it goes up for the average Saudi citizen because Saudis they're almost completely their living their living is almost completely subsidized by. Oil revenue from the government. It's
0: like Alaska here, you know. In Alaska, they get like a thousand bucks a month, like no, no questions asked, just because of oil, you know, because of the oil industry. So think about that, like Alaska in Saudi Arabia, but like times like thousand. Yeah, times times a thousand,
2: and with that, there comes this mutual understanding between the population of Saudi Arabia and the the monarchy. So. The monarchy will take care of their material needs, so they'll provide them things like um, health care, education. Mm-hmm. I think um, they help out
0: with housing as housing. well. Housing. They subsidize,
2: yeah. like, almost like, so many things a part of their lifestyle. Like Bernie
0: Sanders would, would like you know totally cream his pants over this shit
2: yeah but he wouldn't want to, he wouldn't want to take the oil though No, like,
0: that's true <laughs> that's true so
2: here yeah I he really love, like this idea I like the Saudi
0: you got to get the, you got you got to figure out a way to get it off of the I, oil
2: i was reading this art. i was reading this thing about saudi healthcare they there was this guy who had a brain aneurysm and he was in his 60s or 70s uh-huh. and they put this guy in, in prague where they have really good um, i guess brain rehab Brain surgeons. Uh, Surgeons. uh, I think they put them in like a brain uh, rehab. Brain camp. camp, Brain camp. (laughs) And I am imagining that that type of care is incredibly, incredibly expensive and, and they subsidize everything. Yep. So, so they do. So they like provide all this material and all these, all these things that, that create a good living standard for their population. Also water, I'm pretty sure is subsidized, oh, f- which is super sure. expensive in the middle East. Yeah. Um, and with that,
0: Saudis, you have to put up
2: with some shit. The Saudis <laughs> will obey. Like, it means obedience. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I'll pay for all your shit, but you better you better listen to me. Now, if their living standard goes down, let's just, if there's a huge drop in the price of oil, mm-hmm. um, the, the last time I looked at the price of oil, it was like $55, $56 or something like 58
0: that. $58 per barrel. That's when we did the episode on the uh, fifty
2: eight, fifty eight 58 a barrel.
0: Mm-hmm. I haven't looked at it since then, but... It's, um, but that was post rebound. Like that, that, that value of oil had shot so far down when when news of that attack happened. Um, so like after the rebound, it was at fifty eight dollars, so but it was it was much lower than that um, when it happened. Which which means you know to your point, bad things for the standard of living of Saudi Arabians. Yeah, and
2: and when that happened, I think one of the reasons why I saw it, why MBS he he was able to launch into stardom is because. When he became crown prince, I believe that I believe the price of oil was around thirty dollars or so. It was low, and whenever that happened, it's like you know, the Saudis are like, "What the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> what are we gonna do? Yeah, oh, hopefully, as oil starts go, Stop producing oil. Stop producing. We need to keep the prices down. Ah!
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: Keep the price down. Stop producing. Um, because Saudi Arabia is the swing state. You know, like they're right. they're the country that basically like produces and stops producing in order to control the price of oil. It's why they have so much power because they they are I mean, they're the swing oil producer of the world.
0: The, those practices are akin to Chinese currency manipulation, you know, like at the moment that they decide like hey, we're not doing very well, they'll just ratchet down some of the, you know, oil production and there you go. Here's some capital, right? That that brings the the prices high. So while it's not currency, it's certainly like liquid gold, you know, like black liquid gold. For them black gold the south
2: the beverly hillbillies of the middle east seriously they struck they struck oil so when that happened when the oil prices went down um mbs tried to roll out this plan called saudi vision 2020 or 2030 rather
0: yeah it's 2030 it
2: 2030
0: 2020 would be like you know in a, in a few months
2: <laughs> yeah 2020 <laughs> yeah. wouldn't be i guess possible and their plan was to find alternative energy because eventually they're going to have to wean off their, their oil revenue. Like it's not going to last forever. Mm -hmm. So they were, they were recognizing that and they were trying to transform the Saudi economy. And one of the main things they were trying to do was, was um, I think they were trying to make Jetta was uh, a a more of a tourist attraction. So, so they, um, so, so people would stop visiting like, now, Westerners are not going to go to Mecca. Obviously, right. they're not allowed in Mecca if you're not a Muslim. However, um, they were trying to attract um, international finance. They were trying to they were trying to attract money, but people don't. MBS really put himself in a in a in a shitty place. Like he, he ended up going up uh, up Shit's Creek without a paddle because he he purged the government essentially like he pur- right. he purged locked the them government all up in
0: the ritz carlton
2: <laughs> <laughs> he locked them all he locked them all up in the ritz carlton huh, huh, in a fort huh, in, a, in a four-star hotel huh, could, didn't even put them in a five-star huh, huh, huh. <laughs> apparently these guys were all you know not all of them but apparently some of them were tortured so yeah um so he purged the government um you may want to think that he did it to consolidate power but um, I was talking to, I interviewed Gregory Goss uh, almost a year ago. At this point, he said that it was it wasn't really. And he's the one of the, he's a real expert on this. He's a he's the uh, he's the guy. He's the the um, dean of uh, the Bush International, not the not George W. Um, George H. Bush, the first Bush. Uh, he's a dean of uh, Texas A and M International Relations, and he was saying that it wasn't really a shakedown. Uh, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't a consol. He wasn't trying to consolidate power. He had already done that. This was just purely a shakedown because a lot of these princes, um, he, he felt, weren't investing en- enough money into his economic visions or his economic plan. So he was basically just shaking them down.
0: Right, grabbing them by the ankles and shaking them till all the coins rattle out. Yeah. So
2: but when he did that people are like okay so this new saudi the guy who's going to be the saudi king in the future he's going to fucking just start purging people from the government he's unpredictable and he totally is unpredictable like with the decisions that he's made of course uh you know the war in yemen the murder of jamal khashoggi which has, has just turned out to be the Incredible. I mean, obviously, it's evil. You know, we're making jokes, and we probably shouldn't do it because he was murdered at the end of the day in a very brutal mat- manner. Right. However, um, there, there's there's so many things that that were brought to, to the attention because I don't even think the war in Yemen would have become something that people even covered if it wasn't for r- mm-hmm. wasn't for some of the other scandals that MBS was in. So this guy has really put himself in a in a, in a bad place. Um, he he definitely reversed public opinion as of himself as the reformer, and um, I don't know where where he, it's going because he he seems to be really losing. I mean I don't know what's going on internally within like the Saudi court, but I can't imagine that the Saudis are happy like other Saudis are happy because they they what's another thing that's important to understand is that. They totally shifted the Saudi line of succession with him becoming with him, him becoming right. a new crown He wasn't proun- even proun- supposed to,
0: he, he doesn't even go here, you know? Like. Well, it, it made
2: sense because he's the son, I think he's the first son of King Salman's third wife uh, or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's his favorite son, though, but I think he had, Salman had him when he was like 60, so was, he was his third wife. AKA so he was an right. older older father. It's I probably, think there was
0: also like a like an age play there too, because the dude's like thirty-four years old right now, and like, you know, getting a young guy in in power, you know, in the crown means like a longer lasting dynasty for, for that family, you know.
2: Well, every single other Saudi king is uh, is the father or is the son of Ibn Saud, right, who is the founder of the third Saudi kingdom. Mm-hmm. The, the original saudi king or not the original but the the modern the founder of the modern saudi state as we know it ibn Saud, he is the thir- he is the he is the first a uh, crown prince who's not his son he is the son of one of his sons so the entire the succession was going from from uh you know it went from father from brother, to son to the the son to the son to the son, yeah. son, the son the brother you know the, the brother the brother the brother the brother the brother the mm-hmm. brother you know they thought that that was going to to continue because there was another crown prince who was who was very popular within Washington and Barack Obama named Mohammed bin Nayef Mm -hmm. Um, who was very close with, with like, the U.S. intelligence departments and Scotland Yard and um, was very involved in the events that took place after 9-11 and fighting al-Qaeda in Saudi Arabia. Um, He, who had a—who was injured in a terrorist attack, actually— I didn't know that. Benayef was, really, was very popular in Washington. However, um, he was ousted instead and, and for Mohammed bin Salman. For this dude. <laughs> for, for this guy. And there's like a 30-year age difference because yep. uh, Benayef was, was about 60 or so. Usually that's when they become crown prince. But I am I would be worried if I was MBS. You know, MBS wouldn't be the first. If something were to happen to MBS, it wouldn't be the first time something happened to a Saudi king. Um, King f- Faisal was assassinated. It- it's, I don't know what's going to happen to this guy, but it seems like he either is eventually going to be forced to resign
0: or, I mean, you know, postulating here, that might be the reason why he's took such a firm stance and shook down all those folks, you know, like to say like, I'm, you know, f- don't fuck with me, you know, like I'm, I'm the man, but like inadvertently, I think he probably created more enemies than he did gained respect out of it. Yeah. He,
2: He's, he's, um, I don't think he's going to be around that much longer as a crown, as the crown prince. We'll see, though. I, I kind of thought that a year ago and he's still around. So impeach MBS, <laughs> impeach MBS <laughs> apparently doesn't work like that. No, no, it doesn't. It's the grand council has to make a decision, but yeah, it's weird. Um, Jamal Khashoggi, so.
0: Yeah, let's talk about him for a minute. Let's talk
2: about Jamal Khashoggi. It's an interesting story. Because not that many people know that much about Jamal Khashoggi. Um, I'm imagining most people didn't know who Jamal Khashoggi was until he was killed. Uh, Most Americans. Yeah. I don't mean, but Arabs obviously know who they are. But um, most Americans probably didn't know who Khashoggi was until he was assassinated. Um. And he's an interesting guy because he is a Saudi insider, mm-hmm. to say the least. Um, you know, Jamal Khashoggi was was a Saudi Arabian journalist. He made his name in the nineteen in the late eighties, early nineties, covering radical groups in Afghanistan, um, specifically the radical groups that were fighting the Soviets, mm-hmm. and uh, that included Osama bin Laden. Right. Um, he wrote for Al-Hayat, which at the time was the biggest Arabic uh, international newspaper in the world. Um, he then went on to become the editor of the Arab News, which is the largest English daily in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he also went on to become the political advisor of uh, Prince Turkey bin Faisal, who, who um, served as the director of Saudi intelligence mm-hmm. and who was also a diplomat to both the United States and, and, uh, the United Kingdoms. Mm-hmm. So he was a very, very well, big insider within the Saudi Royal family. And, um, he wasn't technically a Prince, but he was, he was certainly, um, his, his patrons were certainly the Royal family. Yeah, like, he was, he was definitely, yeah. <laughs> he was definitely, uh, in it. If you know what I mean. So, Something that's also really interesting about Jamal Khashoggi is that, if you notice, like, Khashoggi is not an Arabic name. No. It's not one at all. It's a Turkish name. Um, his grandfather was from Turkey. but He was born in the Ottoman Empire. Mm-hmm. He had been living in, I believe his grandfather had been living in Mecca and was actually expelled um, during World War I. And he ended up in Damascus and he was um he went to Paris and eventually ended up in Riyadh as the personal physician for for uh Ibn Saud, the first Saudi monarch, you know, the, the first Saudi king of the third kingdom. Quite the journey. Quite the quite the journey. And obviously if you're the personal physician of the of the of the king. The king. Of the king. Mm-hmm. Your kids are probably going to be taken care of, right? All right. Well, I mean, that's the way that they do it in Saudi Arabia, right? Well, he married an Arab woman, mm-hmm. and he, um, his grandfather ended up. I mean, um, that one of his sons um, ended up being Adnan Khashoggi. That's that's Jamal mm-hmm. Khashoggi's uncle, mm-hmm. and the only way to describe uh, Adnan Khashoggi. And I don't know. Have you heard of him before?
0: Only very recently.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I want to play the clip. And let's just play the clip in in the podcast. And Mm -hmm. I think this will be a better do a better job at describing who who he is than we can
3: <laughs> okay
2: <laughs> so let's play it
3: and khashoggi a lifestyle of heroic excess is matched only by the zeal of the global press to explain this mysterious mogul whose name and face appear in headlines across the world the multi-million dollar deal the 2.5 billion dollar divorce case seen with farrah or liza or frank sinatra and pictured in the tabloids with jackie o and joan collins america's richest man gordon getty has 4.1 billion dollars compared to khashoggi's estimated 10 billion and though the cameras follow his every move khashoggi rarely talks to the press instead they just speculate about him but now the facts he was born in Mecca in 1935 under the sign of Leo to a middle-class family. His Muslim religion and loyalty to the Saudi royal family are the pillars upon which his empire is built. Photographed with stars and celebrities who he entertains lavishly in his 35 family homes, the real Khashoggi is a surprisingly private family.
2: It's um, He's a pretty interesting guy. Yeah, to say the least. <laughs> i Khashoggi who is this mysterious man from the Middle East with his riches <laughs> his riches are only but his riches are only matched by his women who he likes young <laughs> here's a picture with him and Sean Connery and Frank Sinatra and the queen <laughs> and the queen but he doesn't he keeps his life private so it's all messed out of the mystery we don't even know how he made his money we're not even sure what he sounds like He's worth $10 billion, the richest man in the world. <laughs> $10 billion, the richest man in the world. One can even calculate this amount of wealth that's given into one person. But this Adnan Khashoggi represents everything that is mysterious about the lavish life of big cash, big guns, and sexy women. <laughs> uh, it's, it's so funny because... Anna Khashoggi is uh so <laughs> I that was the first time I saw that video a couple a couple days ago, mm-hmm. but I've always known of him as a as a guy who was very very involved in smuggling arms and being a guy who who basically made his weapon being kind of the middleman between arms transactions. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy was super rich, crazy rich,
0: especially for that time,
2: dude. For, for that. But there, there's a lot of like speculation of how much money he was actually worth. If he was worth ten billion, if he was worth four billion, if he was worth like who fucking knows. But so
0: you know, like Donald Trump today, right? You know, what but is like interesting is that rich. <laughs> what
2: was interesting is that we'll get there. But his yacht was um, he had like a very notorious yacht mm-hmm. that was purchased by Trump.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
2: Well, he he ended up owing, I think it was Oman. I forget exactly who he owed, but he lost it. He lost a yacht due to some type of loan or something like that, and, and Trump ended up purchasing it. But it was one of those weird yachts, kind of like Jeffrey Epstein's Lolita Express or that's whatever creepy. he called it.
0: That's creepy.
2: He was kind of like – he kind of was shrouded in mystery like a Jeffrey – like that's how I see him, like mm-hmm. a Jeffrey Epstein type character. Right,
0: because he, he got around. I mean like he was – in constantly like photographed with celebrities and like dignitaries and like, you know, all these VIP folks. Um, and if you take a look at like the way that he was, you know, estimated to live his life, it's like, what was the economist in 80? And then like late 80s said it, it costs him 250 K a day just to live his life. Like this man was hood rich, like so rich, so rich.
1: What's something you learned in history class that you feel wasn't the whole truth? Better yet, what's something you didn't learn at all that was omitted completely? That's what I like to call redacted history. I believe that all history, no matter how good or bad, needs to be told. There are wars, massacres, battles, and entire historical events that are just not in our school's history books. Have you ever heard of Mary Bowser? I didn't think so. My name is Andre White, the host of the Redacted History Podcast, the place where history's forgotten events, heroes, and villains get their story told, one episode at a time. So come huddle around the campfire with me and get ready to hear the stories that you were robbed of. And get comfortable. We're going to be here a while. The Redacted History Podcast. Real history never dies stream the redacted history podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts.
2: he was super super rich selling arms being the middleman and shady transactions and apparently these transactions all took place in a dc-8
3: mm-hmm.
2: in a, like a blinged out dc-8 so yep, yep, yep. sky sky dears get on my yacht, yacht and make a deal with a with the turk who's from saudi <laughs> <laughs> um but he got in trouble there, there's, I'll, I don't know what you know. There's a lot of allegations on him being involved in like human trafficking and stuff like that. I don't obviously know anything about that or have anything to speak of it. I've just seen. I just have the documents right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've just heard, i I've just heard those allegations before that he was involved in on uh, in like sex trafficking and things like that. Mm-hmm. I'd have, I'd have no idea. Um, more like arms possibly, trafficking, possibly because I mean, like- he does, he does sound a lot like the. About the Epstein yeah, character, for sure. Um, but he did get he he was mentioned in Iran Contra, mm-hmm. and apparently he made he he facilitated uh, facilitated deal arms deals um, between Iran um, and the CIA mm-hmm. when when um, arming the Contras in Nicaragua, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you guys don't know what Iran Contra is, it's basically when we. It's basically when the U.S. tried to overthrow the Sandinista government in Nicaragua, and who overthrew the Somoza re- regime, uh, regime. Also and they in armed Nicaragua. they <laughs> armed a, a group called the Contras, who were basically terrorists, and mm-hmm. they did it secretly because mm-hmm. uh, the the House they passed an amendment that which that limited assistance to them because they were murdering ju- murdering journalists and stuff like that and raping people and massacring villages and um the way that they facilitated the way that they funded the the, uh, the contras was was through t- secretly selling arms to iran who had hostages well hezbollah had hostages in lebanon so they were trying to like Covertly fund this group to overthrow a government they didn't like. Um, That's
0: that's never happened before, and you know what? It sounds a lot like
2: Iran. Sound Iran Contra is basically a prelude to the war in Syria, right? Right. It's like exactly. It's it's a pre complete prelude. The same even the same characters were involved in it. Yeah. Right. Um, Like, it was the prequel it was it was the prequel it was the forecoming of of uh of syria because in syria like that's what they are actually we have some questions we have some good questions to kind of cover these topics so maybe we should just go straight into the q a yep let's do it um all right so q a that is a new theme song danny is working on a theme song
3: mm-hmm. right yeah this is not right soon.
0: danny them fire beats will be hitting that your might be ears. out right now by yeah. the time you finish it i, I don't know. You never know maybe, maybe you already heard it and you're maybe like, you already oh. heard
2: it all right q in a time bro in history all right first question this segues directly into what we were talking about what do people mean when they say that obama supported al-qaeda mm. i find this very confusing i'm not sure what they mean are they drawing ties with him being a muslim or are they saying that he actually supports al-qaeda
0: I'll let you take this one. So that's a
2: good question because that that term is actually thrown. That's actually thrown out a lot, right? So people will be like, "Oh, Obama supported Al Qaeda," and um, when you say that to somebody, people are like, "What the fuck are you talking about? Al Qaeda support? Like, Obama supported Al Qaeda? Is this like birther type stuff? Right, right. Like, is this the birther movement type stuff? Like, he was a he was a covert Al Qaeda operative, right? Um, What people mean. When someone says that Obama, like the, at least I can't speak for everyone, but um, if you listen to guys like Scott Horton, who says that a lot, um, or myself, who has probably said that before, um, or anyone who has been pretty critical of the Obama administration's policy during the Syrian war, um, they'll say that he funded Al Qaeda or they funded ISIS. And there's varying degrees to, to to this, so they either mean that, and uh, I guess, in uh, the the least egregious or the 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 least serious um, accusation, they mean that they funded, they intentionally funded terrorists in Syria and Iraq during the Syrian war by giving arms to. Syrian rebels who ended up just taking those arms and joining ISIS or Mm Al-Qaeda or whatever group. Because what's like, it is kind of a talking point when you say Obama supported Al-Qaeda and it's like a talking point that you need to explain with a little bit of context. Right. So if you're going to say Obama, it's like, oh, it's interesting. Like Obama put in, Obama uh, had all these non-lethal aid packages and gave all these Syrian rebels uh, or these FSA guys, mm-hmm. arms, and they went ahead and they ended up just joining the you know the crazy militants. Uh, so it, it's kind of like Obama supported Al Qaeda. Like that would be a lot better to say. I feel right because um, when you think about it, Al Qaeda is a these groups. Al Qaeda is kind of a blanket term for for basically all these is Islamist groups in, right. in Syria right. or, or in other places as well. Um, when people are saying that he supported Al Qaeda, it can mean like there, he's there's like there's so many different groups that are constantly fighting each other, changing and their names, changing their sy- names, yeah. and you know they they will. They will show patronage to one. Like these guys, they follow a strongman, warlord type who kind of runs it and they play patronage mm-hmm. to another person. They're just kind of, they're a better way to think of them is not as, as uh, malicious, but as like criminal groups. Right, Like they're just like a bunch of different crim- rival criminal groups that happen to align with the same interests sometimes and work together and then happen to fight over rival turf. In their case, they fight over who is, wants to extort the population with with tax money and and stuff like that and um and, and oil revenues? So it's I think that's what people mean when they say Obama supported Al Qaeda. Um, a another way that you could look at it, if you want to be more severe with your accusation, which I think is very fair, and you can look into this, is that um, you can relate that back to Iran Contra, where people. Uh, ex- intentionally supported al-Qaeda, where where um, the CIA, if you want to go really, really hard into it, if you really want to make a strong accusation of it, you could say that the CIA intentionally funds those groups with the mission of overthrowing Assad, which there have been people within the Obama office who have said things like that, so that's a fair enough accusation, but uh, either or, if you use the talking points, Obama supported Al Qaeda. Uh, just be prepared to talk a little bit more about it rather than just saying like, context, yeah. "Obama supported Al Qaeda." You right. got to be like, uh, "Obama's foreign policy to fund uh, Salafist extremists uh, was was uh, supporting Al Qaeda." <laughs> you know, just right. That's that's just my take on it because too many people talk in talking points. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like sound bites talk, and shit. Even sound bites, and I know it's an effective way to get your messaging across in a very short period of time. However, when you say that,
0: it just confuses people, and, confu- and it and it makes you sound stupid sometimes. Like in this case, Obama supports Al Qaeda. It's like yeah, not not entirely, but like I see where are going there. You need to be able to like spit real facts and sometimes it's just not enough time to do that and that's where, that's where shit like this comes into play. Well the thing
2: with Obama support of Al-Qaeda is that you can get confused with the birther stuff it has nothing to do with the birther stuff right, when people yeah. say that D-
0: different, different, uh, <laughs> different talking point. It's not,
2: they're not saying he's Muslim, they're, they're mm-hmm. saying that he covertly armed them to overthrow uh, Arab governments alright let's go on to the next question. Cool. This question is pretty gay hmm <laughs> sorry (laughs) I'm sorry (laughs) I'm gonna read it so I know you guys are Star Wars fans (laughs) I remember the episode where you rant for like 20 minutes about the hole in the Death Star nerds in parentheses Um, wanted to know what your take is on Mark Hamill throwing shade on Ivanka's family picture on Twitter
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I actually did see this too what what is he talking about so like if you google um, <laughs> if you, go, I don't know what you could google to get this but like just look, look for Mark Hamill's like statuses on twitter and Ivanka put up this picture of like her family on twitter and like one of her kids I don't know which one I don't know their names uh, is dressed up like a stormtrooper and Ivanka goes the force is strong with my family (laughs) and i mean i love mark hamill i do love star wars i think this one bit maybe went a little too far but uh he says it was actually pretty funny he's like cunt (laughs) (laughs) no 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 he's he's uh he's got more tact than that he says you misspelled fraud (laughs) go force yourself (laughs) No, he said that. <laughs> yeah, he did. Hashtag go force yourself. Um, I don't know. I thought it was funny. Um, I thought it was funny from like like from a comedian's perspective. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't like the Trumps. I don't like Ivanka Trump. I don't I don't like anything about what they do and what they represent. But like, she, she's just being a person and putting a picture of her like kid dressed up in a stormtrooper costume i don't know what the context is behind that maybe it's his, like halloween costume or some shit like that and that's fine but you know like like leave her alone for this one like especially for leave the kid alone like you know it's just like taking a picture and shit like i don't know i thought that was a bridge too far uh you know we can definitely um make you know uh, uh talk all day about shit that the trump family does that's that's worth you know throwing shade on i just thought that was a little silly um but some funny uh, responses to that uh, that other Twitter followers were saying was like one of them pointed out how ironic it was that um, that basically uh, she you know the the excuse me the stormtroopers are the bad guys <laughs> you know uh, which is interesting you know. Uh, what were some of the other ones here, Henry? I think I'm you're, looking uh, at the article you sent me uh, that's on here. Um, can you unclick because I can't see the the link. I want to read through them again. Cool. Um, neat. Yeah. So, like, so that was one of them. Uh, another one, a good quote was like, "I've got a bad feeling about this," which is just perfect, you know, in terms of a response. Uh, if you're a Star Wars nerd, you'll get it. <laughs>
2: so, all right. I'm sorry that I'm making fun of you, but um, it's, it's, I'm just not a fan of like the, oh, I got shade on the Trump family, yeah. boom, yeah. eat that, drump, <laughs> <laughs> fuck <Yeah>. you, drump, <laughs> yeah. Russia Gate, Robert Mueller, yeah. <laughs> I hate that so much. So I was listening to um, – I think it's very fair to give real criticism on yeah. Trump, and I think that stuff shades him from real criticism. Yeah,
0: I agree. That's. I, agree. I think
2: that's an important thing. Now, the other day I saw the roast of Alec Baldwin. Mm-hmm. It was funny.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: All the Ro- Comedy Central roasts are really funny. Right, hilarious. There, there yeah. isn't – there's not one that I ha- I've seen that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Robert De Niro gets up, and he – is talking about oh, just like every single set. He he has a segment at the end, he's like, Oh, you're gonna get you like Robert Mueller who's gonna beat up Trump. Hey, that fucking criminal Trump. Oh, uh, Robert Mueller is gonna bump up. Fuck him. And I'm like, What the hell is the matter with Robert De Niro? <laughs> like, is he, he he's either lost his mind, um, or just so ideologically possessed with this hate for hate. <laughs> his his uh his hate for Donald Trump, where he's just so completely unaware of how he sounds. He sounded like a complete moron, and he's just he was on Fox News the other day, Robert De Niro, mm-hmm. and he was talking about um oh Yo, fuck you Fox News, are uh, you, you, you support you support D- Donald Trump, uh, uh, Donald Trump in Russia, uh, like dude, Robert De Niro, what happened to you? You are in my favorite movies. And I can't hate you because I love Casino so much. <laughs> and I love Goodfellas. And I can't ever hate you. But just... You, you, you're really old now. And you're not in good movies anymore. So I guess I understand that... I guess you get stuck in this uh, weird Hollywood trap of of uh, of, of that, like, really corporate liberal neoliberal identity i hate trump mix but i just can't i i i'm not a fan of it i like it when people like they they uh like i thought it was super cool i think it's super cool when tulsi gabbard uh shits on trump and she says stuff like you're saudi arabia's bitch yeah because it's true (laughs) yeah and i'm like yeah that's some real criticism i'll get behind that um or if you say some stuff about like if you're going to go into his like economic policies and say and and argue tariffs and things like that i'm fine i like i i like that type of stuff or if you're going to talk about like in like um employment numbers and how they're not realistic or or how he's kind of playing uh he's taking too much credit for the economy if you're giving real criticism to trump like i think that's great and you need to do it but Yeah, but that this, doesn't give
0: you points on the internet and that, that's where i think i was like all right i know Mark, you're not gonna right, be Mark, like you know. well protectionist foreign policy it's like retweeted <laughs> this, three million times retweeted you know like, three million <laughs> hashtag foreign this, policy you know like that's never gonna this tweet up. about this tweet <laughs> about tariffs has gone <laughs> viral <laughs> you know uh i mean like i get it people are frustrated uh with you know Donald Trump or with a with the Trump family. Lindsay generally. Lohan's tweet about tariffs shows us an important <laughs> message about protectionist That's economic policy. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I mean, people express their their um their grief in different ways. In this one in particular, like again, I love Mark Hamill and I actually thought it was funny, like, out of context, but like leave her alone. Like she's just p- posting a picture of her family. Like nobody nobody would like having you know, uh, uh, pict- putting up a picture of their family on the internet, and then suddenly, like, everyone's throwing shade on you just because you're a terrible person in business and in, <laughs> and in other things. I don't know. I go back and forth on it, but it's fu- like, I think it's it's fun to make fun
2: of Trump for like um the like the sleaziness <laughs> <laughs> yeah. factor. I think yeah. that's those are really fair. If you're gonna take shots yeah. at him, I I like to go at the sleaziness factor right, right, right. of like his weird kind of deals in the 80s and stuff Mm -hmm. like that that's that's, that's why
0: this comment is pretty funny in my opinion because you know she says the force is strong with my family and he and mark mark hamill he replaces it with the fraud is strong with his family it's really true you know it's super poignant you know um so i don't know that that's kind of sleazy you know the sleazy deals that they do um but just i guess the 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 point that i'm that i'm getting at is like it was a, a picture of a kid in like a Star Wars costume like if she had said that because she was in a Star Wars costume or because Jared was in a Star Wars costume then like that's fair game but like leave the kid out of it you know Jared probably dresses up as a stormtrooper
2: with Benjamin and Yahoo when they're playing no, Hot Wheels no in no his way. room when Benjamin, Benjamin and Yahoo has sleepovers at the Christian J- house. Jared
0: definitely dresses if Jared dresses up as anything in Star Wars he dresses up either as Princess Leia in that, like you know, Jared, slave. You thing. know the Death Star
2: is six months away from blowing up Alderaan. Alderaan.
0: <laughs> the six,
2: Jared, the Death Star is six months away. <laughs> um, all right, let's, let's move f- on. <laughs>
3: um,
2: all right, fucking. All right, we got two more questions. Let's go into this next question because it goes into the segues into this. What's going on with uh, the use this Ukraine scandal and uh, and President, President yeah President Trump? Sorry, I can't read. What was the U.S. aid package to Ukraine that Trump allegedly used as a bargaining chip to get third on Biden's son? Uh, do other countries get this aid too, or is it just Ukraine? Do you think this is impeachable offense? Bonus. Trump quoted some guy on Fox News saying, if Congress impeaches him, there will be a civil war. All right. I peaches him. Trump quotes some guy on Fox is saying, if Cong- Congress impeaches him, there will be a civil war. I did actually see that. Um,
0: I impeaches him. impeachment inquiry. Um, will there be <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: I don't know I, I I don't know I look listen I'll be honest I'm not following the story that much I don't I my immediate reaction to this is like this is just another way this is just kind of like a repeat or a way to 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 put the defibrillator on Rushgate <laughs> so I'm just like alright I have read I've been listening to like just Podcasts I listen to, like mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy Dore and stuff like that, their mm-hmm. takes on it, and I was listening to um, Aaron Mate or Mate, I think it's Aaron Mate, uh, talking about it, and there's like all these who's a leftist, so it's not like I'm ta- listening to like right wingers say this. Um, usually, the the, the, the the that that guy um, Glenn Grinwald and um, Aaron Matey and and um, Michael Tracy. Are all liberals who have been covering this and they've been kind of tearing, tearing these narratives apart. And I just don't, I, I don't have enough bandwidth to cover these scandals. I'll just be completely honest. So when they come up, I'm just not, I'm just like, I'm, I'm already assuming that they're bullshit. Well, that's and what I'm here for. <laughs> I'm already assuming that they're bullshit, and I kind of discredit them immediately. Mm-hmm. So that's probably not about the about best that. mindset to no. have. Yeah, however, <laughs> how, however, um, there's so many so many things that I can consume. That's true, and that's what I'm here for, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's why that's why you have two perspectives That's why you got two perspectives
0: on here. It's, it's basically the view with fewer people. <laughs> it's basically with fewer the views. Whoopi Goldbergs. <laughs>
2: There's basically the view, but with
0: I guess uh, three less penises, right? Oh, dude! (laughs) All right, let's move on. Let me answer the question. Okay, so what was what? So the actual question is, you know, what's going on with the Ukraine scandal and President Trump? Uh, You know, TLDR: uh, Trump had a conversation with uh, the president of uh, of Ukraine. Uh, his name is like uh, Volodymyr Zelensky or whatever. Uh, fun fact about this guy: he used to be a comedian, and he played a um, he played a uh, uh, like the president of Ukraine in like a sitcom or whatever. Uh, and there's also this one clip that I saw on um, on one of the late night talk shows of him like uh, playing piano with his dick, or at least that was the bit, you know, which is pretty funny. And now he's like the leader of Ukraine. um anyway that's a side note so he had a call with uh, the president of uh, Ukraine and allegedly um, a few weeks beforehand actually not allegedly legitimately a few weeks beforehand uh, Trump put a stop to an aid package uh, that was um, pretty much you know billed to, to go over to um, to the Ukraine uh, the aid package totaled 391 million dollars uh, in military aid uh and it was for things related to the military so um one thing that uh, uh Zelensky had asked about was you know buying some javelin anti-tank weapons um, and, you know, so 250 million or so of that money, um, was supposed to go to the Ukraine, t- uh, to the security cooperation fund, uh, it's called, uh, and that's for like additional training, uh, some equipment and like, you know, uh, some consulting, things like that to help boost Ukraine's armed forces. Uh, and then the state department actually put, uh, an additional 141 million on top of that. Um, but that was, that was like a separate, um, that was a separate thing from the Pentagon's plans. Um, and basically what, what this is for and why, uh, this is specific to Ukraine, although many other countries do receive, you know, uh, um, aid from the United States. Um, this one, this particular package was just for the Ukraine. And a lot of it is, you know, because they need to, you know, bring up their, their armed forces, you know, to, to combat Russia, which is like our mortal enemy. Um, but legitimately though, Ukraine did lose 13,000 people, um, you know, of its people, and not because they died, but because they, they are now Russians. Uh, when they lost the um, the Crimea uh, area, so uh, basically, did they vote to become back, get right back in Russia? Though, <laughs> that's right. But they also <laughs> they lost voted. a lot of assets. You know, well, it, you know, it's still in question whether or not that was a legitimate election. But you know, that's a different conversation. But people like say day. it
2: like they like the Russians annexed Crimea. Like they voted. Well, they, I mean, it was a Russian speaking d- area of the of the Ukraine. Yeah,
0: but it depends because if they completely botched a, an election, like if it was a bullshit election, and then that would be an annexation just an annexation hidden in a bullshit election um but that that's a Vladimir completely, Putin is so savvy <laughs> that's a completely different conversation we'll, and I we'll have we'll America <laughs>
2: next through our election process you vote for <laughs> Russia for next president oh we annex you huh.
0: <laughs> so here's Henry here's why I think you should pay attention and and why I don't think this is bullshit. Um, so the reason why this this is—the reason why this, of all the, like, thousand things that Trump has done that maybe could have been impeachable offenses, the reason why this is, is gaining so much steam and moving so quickly is because it's simple to understand, and we have the evidence immediately for it, right? What's the evidence? He released the damn transcript. <laughs> and, like, fucking Rudy Giuliani's on TV every day confirming the fact that, yeah, in fact, he did ask— president um uh, Zelensky to look into uh you know president biden's son because there was evidently some some shit that went down uh that maybe he should have went uh, to jail for or something like that i don't don't remember the exact situation there um but in general there was a trial and he was acquitted of any wrongdoing uh biden's son but this is obviously politically motivated like like when why is that a priority for us to find out right now You know, clearly it's because Biden's the front runner right now and he wants to learn some shit so that he can attack, um, attack Joe Biden on. But additionally, in that same conversation, he did talk about like getting to the bottom of like Russia, the Russiagate thing. And like why the, you know, whether they wanted, uh, Trump said he wanted their servers so that they can inspect them to find out like why the DNC tried to manufacture this bullshit. It's like, dude. None of this has anything to do with like actual foreign policy, and the fact that he withheld this valuable, you know, asset on purpose. Let's be real; like he's this is all in you know his leverage points in the art of the deal. Like he wanted to get a leverage point above them, hold it ob- over their head. He's like, hey, you want that money? How about you tell me? Uh, how about you tell me what I want to hear? You know, it's like. So the point is, unlike the Russia scandal, we immediately got the evidence for it. He admitted to it. Uh, we, we, uh, and it's simple, it's simple to understand, right? It's not like multifaceted with a bunch of different countries involved with all this like, you know, Paul Manafort's and your, you know, in your Coen's and all this other shit. No, it's like real simple to understand. Let's and raid
2: Roger Stone. <laughs> exactly. Um, Let's raid the fifth, 75 year old man or however old he was. Yeah, well,
0: he's a piece of shit, but that's a different story. Um, Anyway. That, that's why this is important and that's why this has actually some, some legs because literally you can go and read right now the transcript you know it's, it's like obviously clear like the dude is is doing mafia talk right it's like uh, hey nice country you got here be be a shame if uh, you didn't get that aid package you know like doesn't actually talk about it but um and then uh Mike Pompeo fat man fat boy he was on the call too and uh And he knew about it the whole time, and he was, like, trying to deny it. Um, And then they try to rope – basically, President Trump said uh, he wanted to – you should work with uh, my personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, and William Barr. And it's like, all right, this dude is bringing in his secretary of state, his personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, and the secretary general of the United States into what appears to be, uh, you know, using the – abusing the office of – abusing his office to get information about, like, politically motivated information for the next election. There was no, like, like impending disaster that we need to know this information about right now, you know? And it certainly isn't a coincidence that he withheld the money. And they admit to all of this. this the, that's, the, that's the point. And if you hear the way he reacts to it, like, he's literally saying, you know, he was saying, like, oh... Uh, everybody's a treasonous person. Like the, per- the whistleblower that, that brought this up is like fucking, I don't know. He's, a, he's a treasonous traitor that should go to jail or worse, you know? Uh, and the, the type of rhetoric that's coming out of his mouth is just makes it absolutely clear. It's like, yeah, dude, you did something wrong. You got caught and now you're trying to, you know, do this. And, and on that last point, that bonus Trump quoting this guy on Fox news. So that, that guy was a pastor, uh, one of those crazy, like evangelical types uh, you know, notable for, you know, saying a lot of crazy shit. Um, but he actually said, uh, he's afraid that there would be, um, a civil war if we impeached Trump. Uh, and Trump quoted him without doing the afraid part. And I think it's disgusting. Like, why are you talking about that? Like you're the president of the United States. You're supposed to be the unifying force in the, you know, in our country. And like, you might've got caught doing something wrong, but like even Nixon didn't do that shit, you know, like even, even Don, um, uh, uh, Bill Clinton didn't try and divide the country in that kind of way. Using that rhetoric. It's just disgusting. Um, will there be a civil war? No, <laughs> no, no, there won't. I think he's trying to drum up some support for himself, but that's some dangerous, that's a dangerous way to drum up support for your case.
2: Um, no, I don't think there'll be a civil war if Donald Trump is impeached. Um,
3: People I think over people
2: it. over are overplaying that new age civil war thing. Yeah, yeah. Um totally. a lot of it is just like sensationalized from like other alternative media figures mm-hmm. who have jumped on the Right. The culture war is getting I mean, out of control. Oh, the leftist anti the <laughs> patriots fighting. Oh.
0: I mean, Trump did tweet this, though. Let's be um, clear. Like, he's the one that's saying it right now. He's <laughs> Donald. He's, he's, he's the one that's doing he, it. <laughs> he, he, he's Donald
2: He's Donald Trump. It's, it's what we expect at this point. Um, I need to look into this story more because I haven't. I'm not caught up on it at all. So you have the advantage of, of this debate, Danny. So. I won't. I won't let you have the upper hand on me. But I'm just. I'm so exhausted from the from the RussiaGate scandal. It's hard for me to look at it seriously. However, I will get up to date with this, and cool. I will. I will. Uh, I will tell you if I disagree or not. Awesome. I may disagree with you, but I'll fight to the death for your right to say it. I'm I'm paraphrasing that. Is that Voltaire?
0: Yeah, I think so, yeah.
2: Voltaire? Okay. Um, There's one last question. Let's wrap this up. Um, Did you hear about Trump tossing out Bilal Abdul Kareem? I'm, like, dyslexic, by the way. Did you hear about Trump tossing out Bilal Abdul Kareem's case? Uh, saying, did you hear about Trump tossing out Bilal Abdul's case of being taken off the kill list? What are your thoughts? I remember you doing an episode on him a while back. Um, yeah. So Bilal Abdul Karim is a guy who covers the salafist militias in the northern part of syria in idlib and he's very sympathetic to them to him and he kind of portrays them in a positive light so if you watch his uh he has a youtube channel it's called uh obgn or something ogn just type in bilal abdul kareem you'll bring up his youtube channel and He's interviewing these guys on on the ground in, in idlib in Syria, and I actually appreciate that he puts this stuff out because you can just tell how insane the people that he's <laughs> that these people are like it's it's sun- it's sunshine to me right so he'll just interview he'll interview like guys in different and f- and um uh, just different Al-Qaeda affiliates or ones that are leaving or ones that are fighting with each other. And it's kind of like girl. Sometimes we'll cover the girl drama within like these different rebel groups or terrorist groups in, in Northern Syria. Um, And he, uh, he, he, he's on the ground and he covers them. So apparently he says he's on a kill list. So I think it's been in like five, four or five times he he said he claimed that there was a drone there was drone strikes on his life and i don't i definitely don't agree that he should be put on a kill list so i despite what he's doing if you want to say that he's a terrorist sympathizer um maybe if you want to say that he's being misrepresented for covering jihadists who i mean he certainly has a good narrative on them um yeah uh do you want to say uh, does he deserve to be put on the kill list no i don't think any american deserves to be put on a kill list he, he's an american citizen you can't you can't just murder somebody without due process you need the guy needs to have a trial so i don't think that's right and unfortunately barack obama made a a status quo that probably will never go away where a president right. can kill whoever they want at the flick of a, a flick of a drone right so it's no i don't think that i i don't like Bilal Abdul Karim, but i certainly don't think that an american citizen should be murdered on the other side of the world so i agree um, i don't i don't like it and um it uh it sucks and i and i honestly appreciate him doing the work he does because i think it's sunshine into into that area that that's needed if you want to closely follow the syrian war it's good to get the perspective of uh of the crazies up there just so you know how weird it is like he covers hts and Mm -hmm. and uh he interviews them and like they'll just be on they'll just all they talk about is Allah is great. It's all, uh, you know, we come and we take sack the city and uh, Allah is great. And it's all, uh, it's, you know, the, the, uh, the other group, they dishonored us and they, now they, they are not friends with Allah. Like they just, they're, they're what you would expect people who want to build a caliphate to say. So it's, uh, I think the sunshine's actually the sun. I think what he does is actually valuable to, uh, people who want to follow, get a, get a, get Technicolor in that that conflict.
0: Right. Well, I mean, love him or hate him, you know, he's presenting a a side that you probably won't be seeing very frequently. And, and, you know, it's... The the thing is,
2: though, is that I think a lot of the problems are is that he will work with, like, CNN sometimes. (laughs) Or he was on... Fuck, what network was he on a while back? Was it Channel 4? Sky News. He was on Sky News, yeah. And they did a, the, the Sky, a Sky News journalists were down him. They they were with him in Idlib, and they were covering a story. And he was he was part of the production, or he was part of the crew. So, do they work with them because they can get access to those rebel to, to those area, those conflict zones? Yeah, I mean, do they work with them because they want to portray those rebels as like as as rebels or, or or moderate maybe um it's all possible but at the end of the day i don't think that they should be trying to murder him right that's that's my take no that's murdering. my take
0: no murdering people who cover the news no 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 murdering journalists
2: let's just set that yeah. standard yeah. like and don't no murdering american citizens without due than process going without due process because that's no, a,
0: I, i'd extend that no murdering any citizens without due process how about
2: that yeah that's a that's a better standard to go with yeah. but if we can't even do american citizens right then how the fuck are we supposed to value other people's lives that's like oh, true. if we if we can't if we can't keep up with that bar of like not killing your citizens without not executing your citizens without without a proper trial then there's there's no bar but I don't even know if he's on a kill list. To be completely honest, it's not a fact. It's it's that, it's what he says. He he's saying he is on a kill list, and and I think the I mean, government is revealing to say they're they're refusing to let him know if he's on it or not.
0: Yeah, but that's not a standard for people for the government to say like, "Oh yeah, you're on a kill list." I know, you need exactly to like, don't tell people that like they're on a kill list. That shit is covert, top secret, eyes only shit. You I, know? I know you're not like. Here's who on it. That would be
2: that. That would be some real Mad Max type shit. I feel like, like the only here's time everyone
0: on the kill list today, everyone gets ten thousand dollars. <sighs> The the last time you saw like a public and open and available kill list was like right after nine eleven when they made those like playing cards of all the terrorists that they wanted to get. Um, and those guys weren't American citizens, either. right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, not not that it makes a difference, but the the point though is, I think that was like the only time. And like, if you're on a kill list, especially if you're on an, if you're an American citizen on a kill list, you're not. You're not gonna. know. no one's gonna know. Yeah,
2: you're not. They don't give you a letter. It's not like jury duty. (laughs) You have been summoned on a kill list. (laughs) Step outside so a drone can kill you. Gotcha. That's drone tech. That's that's the U.S. drone technology. $250 million a unit at work. Jesus. Just takes a letter to get you out. (laughs)
0: $150,000
2: a rocket, you know, like. (laughs) One letter, one kill list letter. Say you are being served on a kill list. You will come in. You, you will you will come in on this date to be drone striked by a 250 million dollar <laughs> drone <laughs> with a 150 thousand dollar rocket <laughs> with a 150 thousand dollar rocket yeah <laughs> it'll be it will be a a uh, very very uh quick and swift and uh expensive <laughs> execution and uh we'll we'll have to use a couple more rockets because we'll probably miss the first couple times <laughs> we'll hit a hospital by accident oops all right. Oh, um, is there anything else? Do we have any more questions? I don't think so. Scroll in the email.
0: No, we don't have any more. All right. Send us your questions. If Send you us like your this. questions at info
2: at brohistory dot com. It's a special email we set up for questions.
0: That's correct. <laughs> that's
2: that's correct. Special email we've set up for the Q&A section. So email your questions at info@brohistory.com. At we enjoy them. This is a really fun part we like doing on the show. So send them over. Another thing, rate and review the podcast. We are at um, we're close we're getting we're getting close to 200 ratings on Apple, which is uh which is which is a good sign. So help us get to 200. It'd be very, it'd be very, uh, it'd be huge for us. Let's just put it that way. Huge. Um, All right, Siren's coming. I think we should wrap it up. Yep. All right. See y'all. All right. Peace, guys.
0: Spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and more time actually watching and playing what you want with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts.
3: That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts.